Hey, this is Robin Wilson with Expat Diaries podcast. And today I get the chance to um, follow up with a conversation I started with um, Greg uh, a few days ago. And we were discussing all things uh, fun, Costa Rica. Uh, let's be an expat. Let's move from our country of Canada all the way down to the uh, tropical portion of the world in Central America. So Greg, welcome. I'm so glad to actually be sharing your story with everybody else. How are you today? Hey, not bad. Not too bad. A little hot. <laughs> it, it looks like it might be a little toasty there today. What's the temperature today? 34 Celsius. Wow. That's a nice warm day. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and I know that we, when we spoke um, in 2017, you began your search for where, where do I want to, not necessarily retire to, but where do I want to live the rest of my, you know, life at, or this portion of my life at, and um, take me through that, because I know that you looked at several countries, and we kind of had the same journey as some of the countries that we looked at also, and I know I didn't tell you this before, but um, I had even been to Quito, Ecuador also, and gone up on the tram and gone up to the church at the very top, and it was just such, I don't know if you ever did that, but it was like so beautiful up there. But tell me, take us down that path that you started in 2017, and why did you decide? Like, I'm, I'm, I literally am done with the cold, or what? I don't know. Well, I, I certainly wasn't running from anything. I mean, I, I hated my neighbor. I hated my neighbor, but I wanted to. I liked, <laughs> I, I liked this part of the world. Like, I liked Central America. Okay, right. And you got to live somewhere. So I wanted to scout around, and I got. I went to Flight Center, and I, and I, I, I told my travel agency. You know, I want to check out this area. So set a path. Help me, help me figure out a path. You know, yeah. uh, kind of efficient. I don't care if it's bus. So we did a combination of bus and plane trips. Uh, flew we. Uh, I flew to uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico first. Mm -hmm. Spent about four or five days there, walking around. I checked out hotel section, the tourist section. I checked out Old Town. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got. I'm not gay or anything, but they have a gay community which is really open for strange and weird people like myself. <laughs> so I wanted a place that I could fit in and not be. You know, I want. I just wanted a place to where I could be myself and right. not be afraid of being shot. Okay, so I checked out <laughs> Mexico. It looked okay. I gave it maybe a seven or eight out of 10. And out of, you know, I gave everything a number. So I checked that out. Then I took a bus overnight to Mexico City, where I stayed downtown in a high rise hotel for about five days. Checked out flea markets. I checked out, uh, you know, museums and uh, that kind of thing. And I, that was a no. That, that only got like a four out of 10 because need Spanish there. It was smoggy. It was dirty. There were giant earthquakes. There was uh, just too bustling and busy for me. I didn't really like it. But, you know, for shopping and jobs, yeah, great. But I don't want to work anymore. I want to work maybe 20 hours a week, not 40. Okay, so after that, I flew to Cancun. Been there before as a tourist. and uh, But I wanted to go there and see what kind of condos there were, like retirement condos and that kind of thing. And I found a few. And I found... Uh, yeah, I gave it maybe a five or six out of 10. It's got a party atmosphere. Sure. I got people coming up to me, always constantly looking at me, go, oh, there's a white guy. Let's ask him if he wants any. People were coming up to me constantly saying, need anything? Need anything? And I hated that. So I didn't really like that. Um, it's, uh, I didn't get to explore the Cancun city much, but anyway, whatever. Uh, then after that, I took a bus to Cozumel, 
which is a little bit south or west or what, it's not far from it, like 100 miles or so. Uh, that's kind of like a yoga center, a lot of younger people there. There's condos, there's places to rent, buy, there's old towns, there, um, there's caves to go scuba diving and things. It looked okay, kind of touristy. Uh, there's an island as well where you can take a ferry to some, can't remember the name of the town, but, uh, but yeah, I, did, I, I gave that maybe a five or six out of 10 because it just looked... You know, it wasn't too, I don't know, it didn't appeal to me. Then I took a seven or eight hour bus trip to Belize and across the border on a bus. And I think it was $70. And uh, I liked Belize. It was tempting. And I chose Belize because it's, uh, you know, everybody there learns English. It's, English is a um, mandatory language for everyone. Well, it uh, used to be British Honduras. So yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. So um, I know Leonardo DiCaprio has an, an island there, okay? And I know that there's some marinas, and I know that uh, some of the big cruise ships have dockings, ports sure. there. And, you know, I looked at it. I had a taxi driver drive me around a little bit. He was telling me about crime in the city. Uh, and I had a real estate agent drive me around a bit. I rented a car, and I drove about half the country to a real estate agent from Canada. And she gave me a tour of Placencia. Uh, which is like a long strip, long, it's like a sandbar. Yeah, it's a long peninsula, a little tiny peninsula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of expats there, a lot of nice homes, and prices were kind of high, though. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the real estate agent, though, uh, asked me the same questions you did. Like, why are you coming here? And I go, well, I just want a place to live. And she said, check out Costa Rica. So I like that kind of stepped and stuck in my mind. And I thought, all right, yeah, all right. She said Costa Rica had the better, better um, infrastructure, education, uh, no military government, that kind of thing. And uh, Belize, she also said that if you needed a doctor in Belize, most people went to Mexico. Mm. So, yeah, so uh, I guess Belize doesn't have a very good um, hospital section. But anyway, so after Belize, I flew to Panama. And I got a stomach virus after that. So I kind of spent a couple of days in my hotel room. And I, But I did check out Panama City, big banks, giant buildings, touristy spot. It's got a hard rock cafe. It's got English section. Uh, looked okay. Looked kind of bustling. There's lots of fancy cars driving around. So there's money on the I guess the For sure. Yeah, yeah. There's money on half the country. But I went to the other side of the country. It's like just... It's disgusting. It's it's called Cologne. Yeah, and I always tell people it looks like it never recovered from the Civil War that happened in the 70s or 60s or whatever because it all burned out buildings and garbage on the street and homeless people walking, or I don't, I'm assuming homeless people walking around. And I went there because I thought there was going to be flea markets. And someone told me that there's going to be you know, free trade markets and you can get goodies for cheap, but I didn't see, any. I was afraid to get out of the car. I never really did. So uh, I went back to, yeah, I just kind of stayed around uh, Panama. I didn't really see. I did go Rio Hato though. Um, I had a SunWest vacation trip to Rio Hato in Panama. Right. It's uh, like seven condos all around a big man-made lake that it's a tourist spot. Uh, it's nice and nice beaches and all that stuff, but it's in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't want, I don't know. I gave Panama maybe like an eight out of 10. Okay. I didn't really check out as much, but I did drive around and I saw a fair bit of it in Northern part of me. So after that, I went to Quito, Ecuador. I flew to Quito. I didn't even know how to pronounce it until you told me. I was saying Quito all the time. When I first landed, uh, I couldn't breathe because I didn't know there was like 10,000 foot right. elevation. I was walking around and I just wanted to faint because I just wanted the first day. I, uh, it was great. 
but it's a big city. Everybody's Spanish. Uh, it's interesting because when you're in Quito and you like get to somewhere a little bit outside the city and look back, it's mm -hmm. just blanketed with rooftops, right? There's just nothing, but it's just so shoved together. It is so populated. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I agree. I don't, why? Why is a city, why is there a giant city like that way up high in the mountains? I have no idea, but I did see some churches and I saw downtown. I had a tourist bus that went driving me around and I went to see the equator. Actually, I kind of wanted to see the equator. I wanted to stand on the theoretical center of the earth for yeah. and that was cool i spent half a day there doing like you could balance an egg on a nail head on a head of a nail and stuff like so things so like interesting. that yeah and uh, they say you're you weigh a one pound less because of the centrifugal force so i found that kind of stuff i found that kind of stuff fascinating but i didn't so want to leave moving there then one pound is important to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't feel it yeah so yeah. Uh, but I gave it maybe like a six out of 10 of uh, wanting to live there. And when I got back to Canada, I started posting my messages and Facebook started the, the ads on Facebook started looking at my posts and saying, Hey, this guy's been to cost been all these countries and he's, he's posting about traveling and he's posting about wanting to live somewhere. Let's bombard him with ads. So I started getting ads about Costa Rica and I found a, a company in Canada that uh, had uh, development, that was selling lots and building houses and their office just happened to be a few blocks away from where I was working in Toronto. So I uh, stopped by their office and I checked out their, their houses and things. And they said, Hey, if you fly there, we'll pay for your, and if you fly there and you buy something, we'll pay for your cost, your, your travel costs, and we'll take Canadian dollars instead of US dollars. So I thought, all right, that sounds pretty good. So I, I got a Sunwind vacation down to uh, Cocoa Beach in Costa Rica. I stayed there at an all-inclusive resort for a week. I rented a car and checked out the properties, and uh, I wanted to get reimbursed. So I, I found a, I found an acre of land. I mostly got tired of looking, so I, I just said, okay, sure. I'll just take a gamble, get some land, so I don't have to keep looking anymore. Uh, devote myself to, you know, doing something on this land. And if I don't like it, I can sell it, right? Okay. So, yeah, and within a year, I had it paid off. And uh, then I went down again looking for a builder and I found one and um, I did not, I did no research on this builder. I really it's so funny because you should like play the lottery because like you, er everything you do, you're like, yeah. And then this just happened. And it's like, that stuff doesn't just happen to everybody. If you knew like how long that we took to like buy the land that we didn't just kept like, this was a stumbling block. That was something like, this wasn't ready to buy that one. Could we, they couldn't buy it. And you like did, I mean, you were like one of the, luckiest people and not lucky but like just everything aligned up in your favor is is probably the way that i would put it and that's just amazing that's a good way to put it fate maybe fate yeah. maybe you know, or yeah. luck but uh i found a builder i didn't even check any of his references i just liked the guy and i liked his story he talked english and you know um i just stupidity but i ended the only thing i regret is the location that i bought because it's kind of, I'm kind of remote and I'm on a road where I have to travel 30 minutes to get on paved dirt, like paved road. Right. So it's a lot of bumps and I have to buy a Jeep kind of a thing to handle all these bumps. There's potholes and, and there's rivers I got to cross and, uh, you know, but you know what? I'm surrounded by Canadians. I'm surrounded by other suckers who, <laughs> lost, who got this ad 
we got this ad and we're almost like my neighbors from Toronto and I've got another one. She's from originally from Russia, but she's also from like Winnipeg or something. And I got another one from Edmonton. I got two other neighbors from BC. So why am I surrounded by a bunch of, I come to Casa Rica, surrounded by a bunch of Canadians. So I do social media marketing. Like that's, that's yeah. what my business is. And so like I, while you're telling me this story, I like, I know exactly what they did to target you. Yeah, like, I mean, literally they, I would imagine that they found that there was a good solid um, group of people in Canada. So they, first of all, targeted your country. And then they were like, anybody who has interest in this, 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 or this, anyone who has recently been in these locations here and then serve them up this ad. And it's like, it's so easy to dial it in like that. And it's gotten a little bit uh, more difficult um, based on some other criteria, but real estate, anything sells real estate or credit wise or anything like that has some parameters on it, but like the rest of it, you can just dial the rest of that in and serve up so that you're getting an ad and something that you should be interested in. Now, yeah. I mean, it's funny because people go, I swear to God, my phone is listening to me and is serving up ads over something that I say. And I promise you that if I had the ability to dial in ads based on your conversations, I would tell you about it. I don't have that ability, but a lot of the times what you're talking about, you're also, um, when you're scrolling on Facebook, like even if you slow down, no, right? I don't, if, you stop, if you stop on a post, Facebook says, hey, oh, this person spent an extra half a second looking at this. That's exactly right. A microsecond, yeah. a micro pause. Like if you normally scroll at this pace right here and you stop for just a second and then move on again, it goes, hey, her behavior changed, put her in this category. And so it's it's really, I'm, I mean, it's... Um, it's very it's very intrusive, but it's, I also can I can also curate my social media by what if like let's say that there is an ad for these really great knives and I want them, but I don't want to buy them right now. But I want them to come back into my newsfeed again, and I want to see others like them. Then I will stop on that and I will click on it, yeah. and then I know the next time I come to Facebook, I will have a whole bunch of ads for knives that are similar to this. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for a car, and I've got nothing but car ads for. Like, a whole month. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm a software engineer. I make iPhone apps for a living. I know how this works. I know a little bit about it. Yeah. Absolutely. So. The general public does it though. They're like, I swear I said something about tennis shoes and now all I'm seeing is tennis shoes. I'm like, this, okay. is, this is what, this is how conspiracy theories start. Yeah. You know, so inform well, people. There, there yeah. is no, there is no man behind the green curtain. There's just algorithms. Yep. Okay. So tell me about your builder. And I have went and I went and I'll put the links in here too, but I went and watched um, a few of your YouTube videos. Um, mm -hmm. Love the house. I got, I did the whole tour of all of it. I don't, I don't know that I understand it. We can talk about that later. I don't know that I understand the, the underground portion of it, the, what you called like the basement part of it. Like, what do you use that for? Uh, right now it's like six different sections. I'm in bedroom number three right now. Okay. Um, so that I can put it up a little bit. I've got a screen and you can see a car behind it. Right. And then behind that, I got uh, a, like an empty space. And then behind that, I have an entertainment section. And then behind that, I've got bedroom number two and laundry room and all that stuff. So it's like 100 feet. You're down feet below long. right now. You're not in the house house. Right. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in the 100 foot long. It's 100 feet by 40 feet. Right. Okay. And there's a 50 foot long window wall that faces west so I can see the sunsets. So, yeah. Um, and is yeah. it cooler in there than it is it like in the other house? Um, depends on time of day, but um, I'd say yes. Okay. Yeah, a little bit because, um, but I do have a lot of windows. So I, the windows bring in a lot of heat. So, yeah. Uh, my, I also have a, an extra house. I call it the tower. 
it's it's an homage to my condo I used to have in Toronto. I used to have a penthouse on the 38th floor, floor to ceiling windows on the corner. I could see the entire west side of Toronto. So I wanted something built like that. So I got something like an eight meter tall building, 20 feet by 20 feet on two levels, floor to ceiling windows with the all slide open. And uh, yeah, it's really great. It got a spiral staircase in the middle and a big table kind of thing. In the, yeah, so it's beautiful. For all you guys watching, I will put a link in here to the video that he made as he toured the home after he got the keys. It's gorgeous. So, yeah. all right, tell me about your fabulous builder that you love a lot. Uh, I like him because he cares. He cares about me. He actually calls once in a while and he, he, he helped me set up a bank account. He helped me with uh, personal like girlfriend decision like uh, advice. He helped me buy, he helped me with my Spanish lessons. Uh, he let me live in the house while I was being built, but you know, that's a safety factor. So, you know, that's really kind of dangerous. Uh, he, um, he, uh, he calls after the sales, you know, he's a friend now. So uh, he's a good guy. He spent, he's born in Costa Rica, but he spent about 20 years in New Jersey built, learning the trades and that kind of thing. And then he came back here. It's, he's called, he started a company called American Standard Home Building because he, he applies American standards to his thing. And he built my, he chose, he chose to build my house because my house is a, a different it's unique it's a 16th century japanese farmhouse so nothing like that in in costa rica and i mean and i imported a bunch of different uh parts from canada that you can't get here like crinkled aluminum metal roof tiles and uh flex stone uh, for the deck mm -hmm. so it looks like sand right uh, big long deck with that looks like sand on it um we got teak wood on the exterior and guanacaste wood on the on the, on the ceiling. Um, I brought in like chandeliers from Canada. I brought in some toilets. I got a bidet <laughs> from Costco in Canada. Uh, I brought in a bunch of plumbing supplies and we got uh, beautiful like uh, um, decorative stone all around the whole house and the tower. Did you bring that in or did you find that there? Found it in San Jose. Yeah. Okay. No way I'm going to bring a lot it. of stone. That's a lot of stone. I'm not bringing a truckload of stones here, but I, I did bring I did bring um, three pallets of floor tiles, floor uh, panels, for right. the floor, because and it was one cheap. of the things that I watched in the video, and I encourage everybody to go check it out. Is when they were custom making your door. I mean, oh, yeah. that was beautiful, and like how they did that, and that finished product was just amazing. And he just put so much time and care into that, and mm -hmm. it turned out lovely. Yeah, the tower didn't come out exactly how I liked it because I didn't have the blueprints for it. I just showed them like five different photos of something that somebody built in Oregon. And I said, build that for me. I said, yeah. he did his best he could. He, uh, and um, it's not the right dimensions and all that. And it's we saved a little money on cost to cut, a, you know, to trim a few things. But the door, I, I told him, I have to have this door. It's got to look like this. It's got to be thick. It looks like a castle. It's got to have a rounded top. And it has to have a little sliding uh, peephole thing. And rivets on it to make it look cool. So and we all have to have a pass password to get inside. <laughs> I should have put a moat. You know what I should do is dig a moat like a river. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'd have you'd have a hard time keeping it full of water right now. You're in the dry season for sure. Yeah. So what was um, permits? Did he handle all your permits for you? He started the process. He hired a guy to start the process to get the building okay building permit. Um, it took four or five months to get the permit after they applied. Uh, so um, so we did build it with a permit. 
some people build without permits and that's probably okay but i needed a permit because i needed to prove to immigration that i that i you know i, I invested some money in the country right. uh so um if you spend 150,000 us dollars you get you qualify for an investor visa like it's right. not a visa it's a, a pass or uh, i don't know citizen it's not citizenship Presidency. it's a, yeah that's it yeah. so i wanted that so uh first you get the permit from the city and they they say okay yeah good and then after the building is done you have to declare that the building's done and you have to prove or show or show some evidence that it's worth 150,000 now this is worth way more than that but because of taxes we told them it was worth 160,000 okay right. So it's worth way more, but still, whatever. So I, I, um, so my builder, he went, he hired a guy to go to the municipality and start the process of declaring that it's worth 160 and, you know, get all that. Uh, we started that. And then a month later, we realized that he didn't start it at all. It's <laughs> just like he forgot about it or didn't do it or just, uh. I, I don't know if we got paid and goofed off or I don't know, but whatever. So I said, oh, God. I was in kind of in panic. I said, I need this. I got to do it before all my paperwork expires. So yeah. I went to the municipality myself and with a bunch of stress on my face, I went to the prettiest girl at the teller <laughs> and I said, I went up to her and I said, please, I need to, <laughs> please, can we do all this? And it turns out that she didn't really know anything. I had to go to the, the guy, the old man next to her who knew everything. <laughs> and they kind of had a giggle over like, yeah, all right. So I go over there and, and he, yeah. this guy, he knew some English. He so knew the key that I, is pick the crusty old man every time. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just See, See? I'm just kidding. You're talking about fate like i don't know i just i found the right guy at the municipality and what normally takes weeks to do i got done in two or three days nice so we um i got his whatsapp number he was texting me and we were translating spanish and english and back and forth and i was getting on all the paperwork i needed and um i think i had to pay luxury tax and some other taxes it's about two thousand dollars but we got it all done and then yeah, I mean, I'm now in the system. I'm now a tax-paying person. Uh, I don't know if I can vote or anything yet, but at least I have all the paperwork I needed to take to immigration. I took that to the immigration lawyer with all my uh, RCMP background checks and uh, right. birth certificate. Your long-form birth certificate, not the little one. You've got to show who your parents' names are and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll get ask me about that more a bit later. Uh, I got all that stuff started last august i've been waiting a year and a half for my residency but it's okay because apparently uh, they're backed up and uh, i'm not really worried about it so yeah well, well it's good they've opened the visa up for 180 days right now too so yeah. and once you've started that process you don't even have to worry about border runs do you no apparently not apparently not uh if you go over your 90 days you just tell the immigration people oh you just say i'm in the system and they go oh, okay all right okay. so yeah it's no big deal Okay, yeah. so let's talk about um, what year did you actually move in? Uh, we started everything and started building in 2020. I built, I moved in while before it was finished around 2022. Yeah, okay. and uh, and then yeah, I mean uh, for the last so were, year. So were you down here while he was building? Yeah, I was down. Yeah, I came down here before I started the immigration thing last August. So I've been here about two years now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, and um, then and then um, I know we talked about the logistics of getting your belongings down here from Canada. 
And there's, I mean, that's probably a lot. Like people want to bring their stuff with them and how do you do it? And what does it cost? And there's a million stories that are a million different prices. And I think there's probably a million different vendors out there or suppliers or providers. And it really is just a million different prices that it could be. But let's talk about your experience. So I know that you brought a couple of containers down. Tell me about that. Yeah, I brought one. I brought two 20-foot containers. The first one was half full of construction stuff, like toilets, roofing tiles, uh, plumbing fixtures, pipes. Uh, I don't know what else. I had a couch. I had some futons. Obviously and some, a big day. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, yeah. <laughs> just because, just be, well, it's because it's a Japanese house and they're popular there. So, and and because I, had, I saw one in Costco and I thought, oh, that'd be cool. It was 800 sure. bucks. Oh, I thought, what the hell? <laughs> <And> then, uh, <laughs> it's funny because my friend Susan, who um, lives down in uh, like the OHL area, and I come in, sometimes I'll house sit and dog sit for her. And um, she has one off her master bedroom. And like, she's like, okay, I'm going to give you the entire tutorial on using this thing. And here's the buttons. Here's the remote control. It was hysterical. <laughs> Yeah, and then I got food poisoning like the day after that, and I was really grateful for it. The fun part, the fun part is getting a guest, like a girl, to sit on it, and then you hide around the corner, and with the remote control, you can control it while she's sitting on it. That's the fun part. So, nice. Around, you hear the screaming or, or moaning from around the corner. <laughs> That's the fun part. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so, so those two containers. containers. Yeah, shipping container was half full of construction stuff the first time. I think it cost me 16,000 Canadian dollars, I think. And I chose a guy because he's promised no problems and he said flat fee. And he said, just we'll get it in there and no worry about a thing. And I didn't, I liked, so I liked and hated that. I liked that he promised to get it in with no questions asked. I hated that he hid everything from me. Everything was hidden. I don't know what it really cost to get in. Right. He probably made a massive profit. I don't know, but he got it here. And I was, you know, it took about three months. I, I, I went on train from Toronto to Montreal. It went on a, a boat somewhere in Newfoundland, I think. And then it stopped in Halifax. And then it stopped around New York City. It stopped in Atlanta. Then it stopped in... Um, Dominican Republic for a bit, and then it went through the Panama Canal, and it ended up on the west coast somewhere, Calderon or some, I can't forget the name, but anyway, then it, then it got unloaded, uh, inspected by customs, and then it went on a truck to my, the house where it got unloaded in, on, the, on, the, on the land, where the builder stored it all for. He used some of the parts, and he, he put the rest in store, and he made his own little shed to store it. And that was uh, that was pretty much. I paid the guy Canadian dollars, and uh, I liked that he did the job. So I used him again for my personal stuff when the house was finished. That was completely full of personal things uh, because, uh, and, but because I used, uh, wait, I had to use a different name, some other guy's name, because. Uh, uh, immigration issues or something. I don't know why. I didn't really ask any questions. I just said, okay, fine. We'll get some other guy that's building a house. We'll use his name. And uh, and then that guy, he can't use his name again in the future. No, you have to use his wife's name. When he, if he his name. Or his kid's name, like his eight-year-old daughter's name or something like that. I don't know. So it's just all these crazy rules. I just... I just say, okay, whatever, sometimes. And uh, I don't know if it's fate or I'm getting ripped off or gringo price. I have no idea. But it costs, this one cost 
19 or 20,000 US dollars. Maybe because it was full, I don't know, uh, but I didn't like that at all. But same thing, he got it here, no questions asked, and it took roughly three months and it came, yeah, didn't nothing broke. Um, even good. I put food in there. There's a bunch of rules. You can't put food in there. You can't put any refrigerants, no motors, no motor vehicles and um, some other things. But uh, I listed everything. You have you have to count how many boxes or how many items there are and have a one line description of, every, of everything. Right. And they're happy with that. They, they're not going to open up every box and look at it, I don't think. Uh, but um, Anyway, uh, that's that it's a good timeline to know, because like, I think a lot of people don't even know, like, how long it would take. And I know it's probably longer because it's coming from Canada versus if it were the US, oh. you know, getting to wherever it needs to go to start the track south. Anyways, seems, um, to, be three months. seems to be three months, no matter what. And uh, if you want to do a car, you can do a car either in a shipping container or you can do a thing called roll on, roll off, where a person will drive it onto a boat and then they'll drive it off a boat. At the destination that's apparently the cheapest but you got some person driving your car if you don't care about that then that's you know uh, i might do that for my mercedes but i don't know yet so so speaking of vehicles so you have purchased a vehicle there mm -hmm. and you purchased a new vehicle yeah i don't even see it's behind my little tv screen but it's a suzuki jimny it's a, it cost me thirty thousand us dollars nice. and i bought it because i bought it because i need a four-wheel drive that can handle all the horrible roads here uh, i got potholes and i got rivers i gotta go through right. so i like it because it's got apple carplay and android audio i need because i'm a computer guy i need that kind of stuff i agree yeah. i agree it's nice i love it so what was your process like you went to the dealership the uh that was easy that was really easy all i had to do was put a down payment of 500 dollars, and they put my name on a list and then i told them i'm not gonna have the money for another couple months so they said, that's okay, we'll you're named on a list, we'll have one ready for you. And when I did have the money, they said, okay, your car's ready, you're gonna love it, but it was the wrong color. <laughs> they, they tried to sell me like a dark gray version, which I hated. I said, no, this looks like a, like a rain cloud. It looks like a depressing <laughs> rain cloud, I don't like this. It was sitting right next to a silver one. So I said, oh, I want the silver one. So they said, okay, right. So within a couple of weeks, I, they had a silver one ready for me and I paid, uh, so I think I paid, I had $500, 500 down, 22 or 28. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I had $29,000 after I hated the gray one. And then I paid the last remaining two or three some, something when I saw this, when I picked up the silver one that I liked. And uh, it was pretty simple, really. They gave me uh, some paperwork. I, I've got a glove compartment with, with some paperwork and I got a temporary sticker on the window. Apparently I'm gonna get my uh, license plates sometime. I don't know when. Uh, Where will they come to? I don't know. They're gonna email me when they're ready. And so, then you'll go wherever the email says to pick them up. Yeah, that's the thing about this. This like I'm so easygoing. I just I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't ask. You're interviewing me for quite for answers. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> no, so, but you have some of the answers. That's all we're looking for. Some of. And I know it's because I know nobody has addresses. Basically, I live on this mountain. I live on this hill. I yeah. live up this road. And yeah. so, like, mail is not a thing. Like we're used to in the United States. Like. Like they would come in the mail or they would let you, you have to go down to the DMV and pick them up. Or if you're in the state of California, they come with the car. So they mail them to you six weeks later. Right. So none of that is available. So they're going to send you an email and I assume there'll be instructions in there and, and then you'll know where to get your plates at. Yeah, really? I guess so. Yeah. I, I'm just winging it. I'm just kind of winging it. And I'm <laughs> successful. I've, I've probably made a ton of mistakes. Oh, I think that's the, biggest, right. 
experience. The only big mistake is the location. I should not have. I should have searched for a better location because yeah. it's hot. It's hot that, here. That's big. Kind of, but I'm a mile from the ocean, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of English-speaking Canadians, so I think I'm okay. And they seem friendly, so I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm doing all right. <laughs> so tell me. I know you were telling me we were laughing about your experience with bringing that cash into the country. Oh yeah, yeah, for the car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, when you land in Liberia Airport, there's this P announcement on the PA saying, "Keep your money." Law five six seven point two says says you must declare if you have over ten thousand dollars, or you know, you know. So I, that kind of scared me, and so I thought, all right, I better declare this cash. I brought twenty eight thousand U.S. dollars in cash. It was really nice to about this thick, hundred dollars. <laughs> it smelled really good. So. Um, I thought, okay, I better declare it. So I went and declared it, and uh, a police officer counted it in front of me, and uh, the customs people all counted it with their billing machines, and and I got this giant piece of paper, or saying, you know, where I came. I had to tell them where I got it from. I just told them I sold up my my house in Toronto, and and, and you know that was fine. So I had this paper, and then they, they said, okay, fine. And then when I went to pay the car, I, when I uh, when I went to I had to deposit that cash in the bank account of the car dealer. Okay. Oh, so wow. the, the, the salesperson drove me to their bank and said, okay, take your cash and put it in our account. Okay. So I said, okay, fine. Um, you, you'd think it'd be easy, right? You think you just give them a bunch of cash and they'll deposit it, but no, they wanted to, um, they had they to, want, they want a paper after, trail. After they count it, fine. Sure. They wanted to know where I got it from. They wanted to see the paperwork from the airport that I declared it. They asked me for my address. They asked me where it came from. They asked me what my job is and all that kind of stuff. And it took an hour and a half almost, I think, to deposit this 29,000 into the card, into the dealer of the, the account of the dealer. So why? I don't, it's just crazy. It took, and it took two people. There was a woman doing all the typing at like the teller. And there was a, like this man standing behind her, I guess. I don't think he was um, supervising. Maybe he was a supervisor. I don't know. Could have been. Uh, but she could have been new at the job. I don't know, but it took two people about an hour and a half to deposit 29,000 cash. <laughs> and, and I had to email, I had to, I had to show them, I had to go onto my email account and find a PDF of the sale of my condo in Toronto just to prove where I got the money from, even though it was, didn't really come from. So were you in Liberia when you bought this or you bought it in San Jose? It was San Jose. Yeah. San Jose. I didn't think, I didn't think I saw any dealerships in Liberia whenever we were there. Um, mm -hmm. The funny thing is, is that we were in um, San Isidro whenever so my attorney's in San Isidro and when we opened our bank account, he's like, look, just come to San Isidro. I'll give you all the documents that you need. It'll be easier. Just go here and do it. And I'm like, okay, um, I'm not kidding you when I tell you that it took me six hours to open a bank account. To the point where I, sent, I sent my husband out for food and like, bring us back food. Like I'm starving. We've been sitting here so long. I am so hungry. And he would go get us food and then bring it back in again. And it's like, oh my gosh, I just didn't even understand what took so long. We had the all bank. the paperwork from my attorney that we needed. It was craziness. The bank should be feeding you, you know? Exactly. Exactly. If you, if you go in a police report and report a robbery or something like that, the police will give you food. Okay. So the bank should be giving you food. Yeah. So, so um, I love that you've already applied for residency. So you already have that experience right there. Um, yeah. And um, do you know, like right now, they've given you like an estimate of how much time that'll take now? I mean, I know that there's uh, like 
I mean, you think you're going to have to be on the other side of Semana Santa or? I don't know. It's been a year and a half almost. And apparently it's taking this long because I applied before April of last year. If I applied after April of last year, I would have it by now. Weird. I know it's backwards. It's kind of stupid and backwards, but apparently if you do it after April of last year, they have a new system that goes faster. So, uh, but I kind of don't really care because I'm just kind of easygoing and it's not really costing me anything. So. Yeah. I mean, there's like no pressure for you to perform in any way, shape or form. It's just getting through that right there. Um, I know when we talked to you had a couple of um, resources that you use Pablo Arias and Sarah Elena. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just going to give them a shout out because I know that you were like, they did um, a lot of good work for you. Um, yeah. How well, did, how did, was Pablo your attorney? Hold on, wait a second. I, I didn't use them. I only called them up and got some free advice from them. Okay. Uh, I used a different person. Ooh, I can't remember his name. I'm going to have to tell you later maybe, but. Uh, just drop it in WhatsApp and I'll link it. I'll put it in um, the show notes. Andre Flores. That's it. Andre Flores, he's in uh, Escazú, I think. Okay. Maybe not Escazú, but a, t- a town near there. So yeah, Andre Flores. I don't remember why I used him, but he was like a thousand eleven hundred dollars U.S. to do everything for him, and I gave him a bag of uh, cookies, of chocolate chip cookies from Canada, just as, a, <laughs> as like a, you know. As a bribe to hurry up. Okay, so now we've talked about all of the logistics and building your house and and all of the things. But now the the thing that I think is remarkable, all of that is remarkable. But the fact that you moved clear across this continent down south, you moved all the way down this into the mm-hmm. central of the Americas, and um, down here came down, not married, no connection, didn't bring a girlfriend with you, and have somehow in a whole whole different Part of the world found love. Yeah, yeah, I did. I found a girlfriend. She found on 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 Bumble of all things. So yeah, so you're talking about that. We're talking about that f- algorithm of matchmaking and stuff. Yeah, I found a girl named. Yeah, she's a she's a notary. She lives in Nicoya, which is not far. She's really good. She's kind of beautiful. She's actually she's totally beautiful. She's she's she loves all my crazy quirks. Um, did you ever think that that was that would happen for you? Like I came down here, maybe I'll find somebody down here. I've been I'm like 57 years old now, and uh, 58. I just turned 58, and I, I haven't found anyone until now. And like, holy smokes, what do I do now? And I think it's great. She's uh, I've had lots of girls use me as a wallet sometimes, and you know, and this one doesn't care about that. This one just wants to you know, be with me and she's teaching, she's like a teacher. So that's awesome. And I'm so happy because that's, once again, that's just the fate, right? Like had you bought in a different location, you know, would the algorithms have all matched and you matched to her, who knows? Like everything has happened the way it's supposed to. And I would not not have found her if I, if I chose Tamarindo or something, because the algorithm, I I said, find someone within an X, like within a certain radius. And she was in it. And find someone with a certain age range, and she was in it. And find something, you know, um, someone that knows some English, and she she knows English and and Spanish and some Arabic and some German. Wow! Like holy smokes! And she's from a blue zone, which is you know where an area of the happiest people in the world. If you, there's a Netflix series where yeah, I watched like it. Five, I love it. Yeah, there's like five blue zones in the world. Nicoya right. is one of them. She's from right. there. Nice. 
And I'm I'm so happy for you about that. And I know you barely touched on it, but tell me again about your career, because I know you get to do it from here and you get to work as much or as little as you want to, I assume. And I make iPhone apps. I don't so, work for Apple, but I, I know how all these things work. So, <laughs> so I got Apple in the so store. Do you so you consider yourself are you an engineer? Yeah, I'm a software engineer. I started on Windows. I started Windows desktop stuff, and then I moved to Mac desktop stuff. And then, then the iPhone iPhone came out, and I already knew the the programming language, so it was kind of an easy, lazy, easy <laughs> lazy career move. So I learned how to do that, and yeah, pretty good, pretty fairly successful. Uh, so, do you freelance doing that, or do you do it for a company? I used to do it for big companies. I worked at Microsoft for six months. I worked at Apple for several months. I, uh, America Online for three years. I did. I, 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 okay, I had an AOL account too. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you should see all my. Um, oh, I don't know if I have any right now, but uh, I've got. Oh, yeah. Hang on a second. Here you go. I, I used to. Oh, yeah. Hi. You've got mail. Yeah. That's one of my souvenirs from AOL. I've got a bunch of them. I got tons of stuff from AOL, but um, yeah, I, I specialize in digital video. So all this, all, all this video that we're doing right now, I know exactly how it works. All the codecs, all the bandwidth, all the streaming media protocols. All, I know all that stuff. So people hire me for it, and I. And how that. do they hire you? How do they find you? LinkedIn mostly. Yeah, just put my resume on LinkedIn, and they find me. And it's a good site for finding jobs. So, nice. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put your link in there because I'm sure that there are people that are like, I don't even know where to start. And I think a lot of times people end up overseas because like those are the ones that market to you the most and go, I can create your apps. I can create this for you and create that for you. And um, like I have um, an uh, app developer right now that's working on one for me. And I'm going to tell you, like I'm uh, I was pleasantly surprised whenever because I was connected to him through somebody else. And someone like made me connect with him through Skype, which was so bizarre because I haven't been on Skype in 10 years yeah. honest to God. And they're like, Hey, he wants to be on Skype. And I'm like, Holy crap. He's probably an engineer or something. <laughs> crap, crap. And then I was like, and then I was talking to him and I'm like, can we get on a call? And he was like, yes. And he's like in Indiana or something. And yeah. I'm like, why are we on Skype? And he goes, I don't know. I thought you wanted to be on Skype. And I'm like, I had to go look up my password from like 10 years ago. No, from like 2010 to even find it. But um, it's, yeah. it's great. It's great to know that there's the, you're out there and like people can find you and they can, you can communicate. We can tell you like, this is what I would like it to do. Can you make it do that? Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't really judge people. Not that you did, but you shouldn't really judge people what by what computer they have or what operating system they use or what video system they use. There's Zoom, there's Gchat, there's Skype, there's <laughs> a multitude of others. I don't want to think of any, but um, no, 100%. Like, I hadn't been on Skype in so long, and I was just like, maybe that's a software that they because I don't even know anybody in the US hardly that uses Skype anymore. Yeah, people buy technology for an application, okay? They buy a Mac or a Windows machine for, for a program or an application. Right. You don't buy it for the operating system or for the company. Like some people are loyal to, Mike, to Hewlett Packard or Dell or, you know, or Microsoft or something. That's okay. Some people love Apple. They'll buy anything from Apple and that's okay too. But most people buy hardware or a car. I bought this car because I can't have a, my two-seater convertible. It'll bump bottom out on the potholes. <laughs> so I needed this. I, so I, I don't know anything about Suzuki, but I bought this Suzuki because it serves my purpose. And people right. buy computers and phones and all that for a, a purpose. So you can't really judge anybody by 
what they buy or what clothes they wear or how they wear their oh, hair right. or how they look or the color of their skin or anything. You can't judge by people by that. There's Everybody's got tons of secrets or not secrets. Everybody has tons of reasons for buying stuff or doing or even not buying stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, you try to hand people a business card and they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm trying to reduce the amount of paper in my house. So they'll go, oh, geez, like, wow, that's pretty impressive. You know, so some people, everybody has different life standards and don't, I, I learned pretty quick, uh, don't judge people by their decisions or by their quirks or anything like that. Be open, be free, be happy. And uh, that's, that seems to be this kind of Costa Rican lifestyle. Really. Yeah. It's a little more laid back and it's, um, it's not Canada. That's for sure. So uh, I know one of the things, one of the things that um, like you've already said, like the only regret that I have is the location that I purchased in. And so then if you look at everything that you've done, what is one thing that has been an experience for you that you were just pleasantly surprised? Like I expected this to be harder than it was and it wasn't. What was that thing? Uh, I expected to get blowback from my parents or my, my families or my friends. You know, I never got anybody saying stuff like, oh, you're an idiot for doing this. I Now all my friends are jealous that I did it. I love uh, that. I've, I've, I never got anybody saying, don't do that. What are you, crazy? No one ever said I was crazy. Everybody said, I'm jealous. Like, wow, I wish I could do that. But I've got baggage. I've got kids. I've got pets. I've got a job I can't leave. Uh, my poor friend, uh, Steve, he went to art college. He went to Ontario College of Art. Really smart guy, really talented with art and stuff like that. He works at a steel factory. And he's been there since like 22 years old or something. Uh, he's My brother, He's he worked at DeFasco Steel Company for 40 years. I've had 40 jobs. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've traveled the country. I've been to almost, I've, I've had 40 contracts or, you know. Uh, so um, the pleasant thing is uh, support from family and friends, really, yeah, and uh, and my builder, making me feel comfortable here. He sold me his crappy car, to, you know, just for a, at a decent price, so that I can get around. I can go right. to the grocery store and get milk and bread and stuff. Uh, uh, I beat that. I beat the crap out of it because of the potholes and things. But after that, I you know got this Jimny, and uh, it's been perfect. So um, yeah, I think the pleasant surprise is. Just luck, really, I guess. And meeting meeting my girlfriend, like, wow, holy cow. That's amazing right there. That is a surprise, and I love that. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Greg. I'm so happy that we've got to know each other, and um, I will put all, all of the connections that I can down in the show notes for everybody, and I will love to chat with you again sometime and catch up. Yeah, yeah, this was fun. This is fun. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed this. This is cool. So, yeah, good luck with this podcast. It's great. Yeah, it's neat. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Ciao.